Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. This year's wool clip, if only we had a crystal ball. On the back of the drought, we are in an unprecedented situation with a high volume of low yielding wool. Add in COVID and a falling market with a high pass in rate and the result is a great deal of uncertainty for industry. However, by focusing on what we do know, there are ways to optimise this year's clip when preparing it for sale. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Fiona Rawley from AWEX to highlight some of the details wool producers and classes can focus on to optimise this year's clip. Fiona is the wool classer registrar with the Australian Wool Exchange. Her key roles within the company include clip preparation and the code of practice, training and extension, and working with the industry to communicate the key principles of preparation and the needs of the customer. Welcome, Fiona, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. Thank you, Fiona. It's a pleasure to be here. Fiona, what are wool buyers focusing on this year? I think more than ever, um, they're really looking to minimise their risk. They're not prepared to take risks. Um, Every dollar that they spend is important to them at the moment. Um, They're also in an uncertain position. So if they're going to buy wool, they want to buy wool with confidence. And their confidence comes from the way that wool is prepared and declared. So that would be my main point at the moment is we want to put them in a position of wanting to buy. Fiona, preparing Australian wool for sale that is destined for a number of markets and different uses is a complex process. One way to simplify this for producers and wool classes is to follow the code of practice. What is the code of practice and why is it so important? The code of practice is the standard for clip preparation and underlying its purpose is some key points and those points are we don't know when the wool will be sold, we don't know who is going to buy it and we don't know where it's going to be sold. So when we've got that uncertainty or if you like flexibility, if you prepare wool to the code of practice, it opens up opportunity for you to sell at any time to anyone. Buyers understand the code of practice, it's been put together with the processor in mind, so therefore wool that's prepared the code of practice will meet their needs. They understand what each line means and how it's going to perform for them. Fiona, that pretty much is risk management and obviously quality and consistency of our product is going to be very important. Would you like to comment on that for me? When we think of quality, we need to think in terms of um, what the code of practice means. I know for growers, they'll often think that quality is bright white wool of high tensile strength from well-selected rams and bloodlines. That is quality for a grower, but quality for a wool processor is wool that's 
predictable and will perform well. So the Code of Practice is actually a quality assurance scheme. It's about making sure we put in place practices that give us a predictable outcome. You know, you can have quality bale of dags, which is a bale of dags described correctly of the right weight and meets the needs of a, of a dag purchaser. That's quality when we're looking at the wool industry. That predictability will be so important for processing. Why is it so important from a global perspective that we have such a consistent product in the Australian wool market? What we're looking at with quality consistency is repairing wool to the code of practice. Buyers understand the code of practice and they understand what Australian, how Australian wool is prepared. Australian wool is competing on a global market. So I think it's really important that Australians remain, the Australian wool industry remains competitive um, if we're not to let our standards slip because if a buyer is looking to purchase a certain type of wool with certain specifications, we've got New Zealand, we've got South, America, uh, South Africa doing similar things. So it's important that we maintain our level of preparation. In nearly all sheds in Australia, the wool classer has the final say on classifying the wool clip and puts their wool stencil to the bale as a result. What reassurance does this give our buyers that makes us stand out on the global market? The wool classer stencil is recognised globally. It is part of the quality assurance scheme, which AOX oversees, which is the code of practice. That quality assurance means that that presence of the stencil means that the wool is prepared by a trained individual and that the contents of the bale meet the code of practice. So it, it underpins everything that the Australian wool industry represents. So the, the classes have that obligation to prepare the wool to the code of practice but they're not obliged to put their stencil on every bale of wool. If the bale of wool doesn't meet the code of practice preparation, then um, the requirement is that they leave their stencil off that bale or that line. That's excellent reassurance for our overseas buyers. There are a number of primary objectives to preparing the wool clip. So I'd like to go through the main components now and change a bit of focus. Can we start with the importance of uniformity? When we think of uniformity in clip preparation, we really look at the mob concept. We're, lo we're looking at the com what sheep make up that mob, whether there's mixed age groups. Um, it's really important for the basis of making those processing batches, those lines of wool that are predictable to the processor's needs. Some of the issues that we can come across with drought-affected wool is dusty backs, uh, do we remove dusty backs or do we leave them in? That's a decision that we might make um, in certain situations. Also, there's quite high discounts for VM levels. Now, moving into spring after some better rainfall, high levels of VM might be an issue. That may, need we may, may mean we need to dip in a little bit further with our skirting to prepare the fleece wool to yield better. Yield is a really important aspect even though we get paid on a clean basis, the exporter needs to factor in the yield of wool to make it economical and viable for them to purchase that wool for containerising and sending. Um, it's, it's value for money if, it, if it's yielding well. So really consider removing backs. And how detrimental are contaminants to the wool clip? Dark fibre is extremely important. 
some buyers will be limited to only purchase wool that has a DMFR rating of one. That means it's fleece wool from sheep age group two to eight that are merino and skirted. The important thing about the DMFR rating of one is the buyer can buy that wool with confidence, knowing that there'll be no urine stain or dark fibre, maybe from contact from shedding breeds or sheep being uncrutched. We report those contaminants in, um, in our inspections. They're also declared in the NWD as how risky those lines would be. The other risk that we need to look at is non-wool contaminants, dog hair, baling twine, foreign objects. In this current situation, we really don't want to limit a buyer's um, confidence in purchasing a lot of wool. They will be looking at wool that they can buy with that's not going to limit their opportunities in dyeing potential. And do we still see a lot of contamination in sheds from dogs and foreign objects? I wouldn't say that it's high. Obviously, urine stain, it's inherent. It's part of, it's part of the sheep. So that would be something that we, we really need to look at and control. Um, we can't avoid that. The only way we can avoid it is by it is with management practices. I wouldn't say that contamination was high, but when it does occur, it is serious. It really does stop buyers from purchasing that wool. Um, and we also need to look at with drought feeding, when we're feeding bales of hay, that we're making sure we're, we're looking at paddock hygiene. Baling twine is a serious contaminant. We have seen a spike in that with the drought, so be aware of that. Yeah, a timely reminder of good animal shed and paddock hygiene. Optimising returns relies on correct packaging. What are some of the factors producers and classes should consider for correct packaging? So uh, bale weight is very important. Um, it, it, and it's actually a very serious issue within the industry at the moment. I think there's been some, with the drought affected wool, it's been a lot easier to press overweight bales. Um, overweight bales are readjusted they don't go through the system, they will, will be rehandled. And I think it's really important for growers to understand that. Scales are um, notoriously inaccurate. We actually speak about scales as being a weight indicator. They're not a scale at all. Um, they indicate a bale weight on farm. So if you're pressing to maximum, the chances are that bale will be overweight and it will be readjusted. Now, any wool that doesn't end up in your main line at auction because it has to be taken out of an overweight bale, it will not reach its full potential price-wise. You, you are losing money if you package overweight bales. I imagine it also has some serious impact on handling an OH&S. Yes, so the reason why we have those limits on bale weight is because of the workplace health and safety. Bales are manually handled in store. Um, they're stacked with forklifts, so overweight bales are a, a risk to those people that are managing those bales. Um, and also when bales are tri-packed and containerised, there is an issue with them being overweight um, that they don't containerise correctly as, as well. When preparing the wool clip this year, correctly describing what is actually in the bale will no doubt prevent unwanted discounts. What components should be considered? We need to make sure that we're adhering to the Code of Practice Convention for bale description. Um, we need to identify risk if it's there. Now, as I've spoken before, some buyers can take risk and some can't. So 
by declaring that your wall has dark or medulated fibre in it or is a, has a runs with declaration is not necessarily going to limit all buyers, but it will make sure that the people that are that the purchaser is selecting the right wool for the right preparation, um, for their right processing outcome. Also, by correctly describing the wool using the current code of practice descriptions, you are identifying yourself as being a trained and up-to-date individual, classer, and that gives confidence to the buyers as well that the wool has been classed, that someone who's put this wool together knows what they're doing. When wool is put up for sale, it is important it's accompanied by the correct documentation. What advice can you offer when filling out the wool classes specification and the NWD? It's really important as wool is catalogued and lotted for sale that it, each line of wool is accompanied by its correct declarations for mulesing status and dark and medulated fibre. The way that we make sure that that information is accurate is by giving the class that information up front before shearing so that when they're preparing their lines of wool they can correctly identify which mob each line comes from. Any gaps in that information and the wool will be presented in the catalogue as not declared. So for all intents and purposes you may have done the process but forgot to sign, haven't correctly allocated each line to each mob and the declaration doesn't follow through the system. So it's important to communicate with the classer of the mob status, mulesing and crutching status, it runs with shedding breed status, signing that information and having every piece of information available to the buyers. Buyers have limits on what they can purchase and some of those limits may be on the mulesing status or the DMFR rating. You just mentioned the importance of communication. Obviously, optimising all of these objectives in preparing the wool clip will rely on effective communication and cooperation between the grower and the classer. It's really important that the classer, the, the wool grower and the selling agent communicate clearly with the intentions of the classing strategy. Classes often feel that they are removed from that decision-making process or the grower may feel like they're removed from it. So to include all parties, make sure that the declarations are declared correctly, that the class lines are put together in the best way to maximise lines across mobs. I'd like to shift our focus to fleece preparation now. In recent years, we often hear in sheds to skirt the fleece lightly and not take too much off. How important is correct skirting to the overall production chain? Skirting is one of the key principles of the code of practice. Every fleece line is to be presented skirted to meet the code of practice requirements. Fleece walls that aren't skirted cannot have the wool class's stencil applied and are not eligible for a P certificate. Skirting is about quality assurance. Passing a fleece across the table, having a one last check of it, removing any frib, letting the second cuts fall out, identifying the brand, finding any shank stain or dag that may be left in the fleece, removing skin pieces are all quality assurance processes. Um, I would strongly advocate allocating shed staff to that process, to that process of skirting. 
I think what's miscommunicated is that we think that lightly skirting means not wasting too much good fleece wool into our pieces line, but what's happened is the opposite, is that we've taken it to a under preparation of our fleece wool and missing the key point about skirting, and that is that final quality assurance check before that fleece goes into the press. And with the extra veggie matter around with the consequences of the drought, I suppose it might be necessary for us to skirt differently this year. Always never have a predetermined skirting ratio in mind. So that's when I think saying skirt lightly um, is, is a bit of a dangerous recommendation. We skirt to the merits of each fleece to provide uniformity within that fleece. So if you have an all over burr situation, that is the uniformity of the fleece and you would skirt lightly. But when you have the opportunity to perhaps skirt portions of the fleece heavier to create that uniformity throughout the fleece, then that would be recommended. And another area of preparation takes place on the board. What do you think we should be focusing on specifically this year? Being mindful that um, this is going to be a really difficult year price-wise, if we need to make opportunities to reduce lines, perhaps it's on the board by combining board and table locks together, making sure that not too much good wool is being put in with stained wool. Um, maybe we'll be looking at briskets, only very matted cotted briskets being removed. So there's sort of situations there on those lower lines to look at the code of practice, which is, has quite simple preparation for those types of wool, putting our focus into checking those fleeces and on the table and putting our energies and staffing into the table preparation. Excellent. Thanks, Fiona, for the timely information you've shared with our listeners and for joining me on It's Time For You. You're welcome. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.